Thanks for joining us here at Temple Baptist Church in Centralia, Illinois, where we are a community of people who are not perfect and don't pretend to be. If you would like to see other resources or learn more about our ministry, check out www.tbccentralia.com. Our hope and prayer is that through the following message, you are encouraged, blessed, and inspired to meet the Lord in a powerful way. You know, absolutely, we are seeing it as a country, we are reaching a level of spiritual poverty. Some of the things that that we are talking about at a national level, I didn't believe would be talked about openly like that in my lifetime. But yet, we still see that happening. And then the third type of poverty is relational poverty. You know, and it's funny that in this time, even with social media, which is designed to make it easier for you to reach out and touch and have more friends, that I believe that we're living in a more relationally bankrupt time than ever. The studies tell us that. It doesn't matter how many friends or acquaintances you have online, that doesn't always equate with a strong relationships. And so... The reason for this, I believe, in, and I believe the, the Bible supports this, and that is that most of us, well, I take that back. The reason is that we as humans are selfish. All right? Look to the person sitting beside you and tell them you're selfish. Yep, and then you look back at them and say, yes, you are too. All right? Now, you, you, I know, oh, this is church, Baptist church. Surely we're not all selfish. Let me just ask you this one question. When you're in a group picture and somebody shows that group picture to you, who's the first person you start looking for? That's right. And if you are smiling, looking at the camera, I mean, you're like, that's a great picture. You know, it does. One of my favorite pictures was we uh, took a family cruise years ago. And um, we, as you get on the boat, they have this photo op. All right, and I was like in the moment. I was ready for this photo op, and so they had this big captain's wheel, and I'm grabbing onto this captain's wheel. Nobody else wanted to get their picture taken, but I forced them because I was dad. I was paying for this trip. We're gonna have fun, and I made them get up there, and I'm there ready to having this picture uh, at the steering wheel. And there's the family. I wish I would have thought ahead and put had it up, because my son and his wife had just they were in the midst of some kind of stomach virus. And they looked like it. <laughs> we had just made a like six-hour road trip with a lot of people in a van, and they had been suffering from this stomach flu. And so, um, not only that, but uh, my wife, she has to get ready for pictures. All right? I mean, it doesn't matter. I want to do a selfie. She's like, hang on. Goes in the bathroom, comes back out. All right, selfie time. All right? Uh, I didn't give her any time for this, okay? And then my other son, well, he doesn't care. He was pretty young at the time. He did, you know, just, I'll do whatever you want. And if you looked at the picture, um, I'm thinking, this is like one of my favorite pictures. Because, man, I look like I'm just ready to take on the world. And nobody else did. If you ask my wife, is that your favorite picture? She'd tell you no. If you ask my son and his wife, is that their favorite picture? Like, like if you could just burn that one and never, ever show it to anybody, they'd be happy with that. If you ask my other son, he's clueless, doesn't uh, really care about that. You know, 
inherently, as humans, we're selfish. It's really all about us. It's not hard for the me monster to come out. You just got to be real quiet and you'll hear him. You know, most of you think that's ringing in your ears and that's just a me, 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 me. But I want to share with you today that real friendship is outward focused. You know, the, the friendship that's inward focused is a selfish friendship. And, and the reality is, just like you told your neighbor that they're selfish, the reality is that the person who said that is selfish too. You know, the Bible tells us in Proverbs 17, in verse 17, a friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. You see, that's what makes a friend a friend. A friend loves even when you're going through the worst of times. They're there for you. They're there with you. And it says a brother is born for adversity. When the tough times come, it's good to have family right there with you. There, there's something comforting about that. I can only imagine what Michael and his family is going through, but that weekend had to be comforting for them. And then that weekend probably got just a little bit better when they saw what their friends who loved them did for them. And so we need to understand, you know, we started off this series when we talked about Ecclesiastes 4, 9, and 10 as one of the, the verses that we want to attach on to. Because it really is about friendship. This is one of the five essentials for us to have our best year ever. And Ecclesiastes tells us that two are better than one because they have a good reward for their work, their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. You know, I, I would be shocked if I asked, and, and I'm not, and I don't want you to raise your hand, but I would be shocked if I, we took a poll and I asked, who's been here and fallen and not had anyone around at the time? I'll bet we've all been there. And you understand the concept that the Bible is sharing with us, that it's better to have had someone there with you when you fell. And it doesn't matter why you, why you fell. It doesn't matter if it's your fault. It doesn't matter if it was, has nothing to do with you. By yourself, alone, on a highway, it's horrible. You know, one of the things I used to tell my uh, buddies in the military is I'd volunteer for stuff all the time. And then I'd always grab one or two people to go and do it with me. And they're like, why are you always doing that? And I said, misery loves company. I was like, you know, if I'm not going to have a good time, let's just let three people not have a good time doing this. But really what I was practicing was Ecclesiastes 4, 9, and 10. It's better to have someone there with you than it is to go alone. You know, and this kind of goes against counterculture because culture wants to tell us that, you know what, let's be the lone wolf. Stand up. Don't be, you don't need anybody else. But I'm here to tell you that God created us in such a way that we need other people. I mean, you, you're probably familiar with the Bible verse in Genesis where he said it's not good for man to be alone. He wasn't just talking about giving him a spouse. He was talking about having someone. We all, we are, our DNA cries out. It's not just me telling you this. It's not just the Bible supporting this. The scientists have done the test and they've got the empirical data that says human beings are designed to be together. And in church, we believe that life is better together. 
Ben Franklin is known for this quote. He says, no one is useless in this world who lightens the burden of someone else. You know, as I start talking about friendship, it's easy for us to think about, yeah, where are my friends? And we start making this mental checklist. But I want, I want to share with you, today is not about finding out who your friends are. Today is about being the friend. Another quote by Albert Schweitzer says this, The only ones among you who will be truly happy are those who have sought and found how to serve. You may have seen, a matter of fact, it's in the bulletin, um, there is a, a, a picture of, um, I call it, the, it's the dream team picture here, all right? And if you look at that closely, you'll see a Bible verse on there out of Proverbs eleven twenty five, and it says, those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. One of the things I'm introducing here to the church as we start to make a transition in March is to, to be involved with a team, to be a part of a team. Why? Because it's better to have someone there with you than to go and do it alone. And so um, not only do we want you to be involved in the team, but the Bible tells us that those who refresh, those who serve, will be themselves refreshed. And I don't know about you, but when God makes a promise and delivers on it, it's more than we could ever expect. And so what I believe God wants Temple Baptist Church to be is a church full of friends who serve other friends. Not only if you show me your friends will I show you your future, but if you show me your friends, I'll show you your help in a time of need. Not the friends that are listed on your thousand friends on Facebook. Because some of those, believe it or not, aren't. They're not even an acquaintance. They know someone who knew you and reached out to you. But I believe that if you show me your friends, I will show you your help in a time of need. If you would, turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 2. I'm just going to read a couple verses to you. It says, when he returned to Capernaum, and now if you look back in Mark chapter 1, you'll see that Jesus started doing miracles there in Capernaum. He started healing. He started casting out demons. He, he started, matter of fact, the word had spread that if you could just get close to Jesus, good things were going to happen to you. And so here in Mark chapter 2, it says they've left Capernaum, and you can imagine the, 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 the talk that was going on about what Jesus had done the last time he was there. And this is where he was living at the time. And so when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. All right, they didn't have social media. They didn't have TV. They didn't have radio. And so it was word of mouth that was going around. And they said, hey, Jesus is back in town. And so what's the first question somebody would ask if they heard that Jesus was back in town? They'd say, well, where is he? And they'd say, he's at his house. Well, the way that the homes were built back then was there really were compounds. And so there, there would be the, the one structure where the family would live. And when I say family, it was families. And then they would have a wall around that. And, and so there was a courtyard. And, and so here Jesus is at his home. The word spreads in verse 2. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. And what this looked like was he's in the house. 
everybody's crammed into the house. They're, they're crammed so much, they're like back out of the door, filling the courtyard. And he's teaching them. In verse 3 it says, And they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. It should say four friends. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, you can imagine it was hard enough to squeeze one person in, and yet here they were carrying a stretcher, trying to get into the the courtyard, trying to get close to Jesus. They're not getting into the house for sure. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. Now, I want to show you a couple of things that's in this passage here. Number one is that our friends help us in need. If you're paralyzed, do you have some needs? The answer is yes. You have a lot of needs. Matter of fact, if you're paralyzed and one of those needs might be, you know what, if everybody else is getting close to Jesus and getting healed, why can't I get close to Jesus? What's the problem? You're paralyzed. And so, fortunately for this guy, he had some friends. So even though he was paralyzed, even though he didn't have a way to get to Jesus, he had some friends who, who told him, you know what, we're going to get you close to Jesus. What do you think the paralyzed friend said? It'll never work, I think. I think he was probably the most negative of them all. But his friends weren't convinced. They knew that everyone else that was getting close to Jesus, something good was happening. And all they wanted to do was get their friend close to Jesus. And the second thing you can learn from this story is that friends help people overcome obstacles what was the obstacle well the obstacle was the crowd the obstacle was the roof there was a lot of obstacles to get him to jesus and here's what i love in verse five so now you can imagine this here's this paralyzed guy who's gone through quite an ordeal with his friends who've strapped him down and they're carrying him they get there it doesn't look like it's going to work out so what do they do they they make an alternate plan they get him up onto the roof there's probably a set of steps that went around the outside and allowed them to get up onto the roof and then they started tearing the mud and they started tearing the hay and whatever else was used to build the material of that roof and they had to make it big enough where they could lower a guy on a stretcher down and so that's exactly what they did And what's interesting was in verse 5 it says, And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now those that were around had a problem with that. Like why in the world is Jesus telling this guy that his sins are forgiven? Now understand this, at this point, the guy's still in his stretcher. And this conversation's going on. And Jesus hears what the religious leaders were saying. Who gave you the right to forgive sins? And so Jesus in verse 11 says, Would you rather I have just said, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home? And then that's exactly what that paralyzed man did. He got up, picked up his bed, and he starts walking out. And the Bible tells us that everybody was amazed. You know, sometimes we're going to go through things That we don't even have the faith to believe that God can heal, that God can overcome, that God can deliver. But you know what? Your friends can. Your friends will. Your friends do. But 
But you go back to Ecclesiastes, and it says it's better to have somebody than to be caught alone. Because maybe when you're alone, your faith wavers, and you give up, and you never get close to Jesus. And when you never get close to Jesus, your faith doesn't grow, and you're left in that condition of being paralyzed. And you know what's interesting? That that paralyzed may look very different for all of us. You know, it may be paralyzed to take action. It may be paralyzed of fear to, to say something, to do something. But the solution is getting close to Jesus. Matter of fact, you know, we've been talking about um, God's prescription for your best year ever. And so if you look at all the slides, there's that little RX, which means prescription, all right? So if you ever get a prescription from your doctor, it's, it, it's on there somewhere, okay? And so, um, and the doctor writes out what you need to do. Well, today's prescription is this, for you to have your best year ever, comes straight from Proverbs 18, 24. And it says this, in Proverbs 18, 24, a man that hath friends must show himself friendly. And the daily dose for us is that every day we must be the friend. You know, we can't wake up worrying about and wondering who our friends are going to be, who's going to come pick us up and carry us to Jesus. What we really need to do is to every day be the friend. Because I promise you, you've got friends that are hurting. You've got friends that are in a bad place. You've got friends that need to get close to Jesus. And the only way that that's going to happen is if you and some of your other friends help them. And so here is the the five-point solution of every day being the friend. First of all, every day we need to help people. That's easy, right? The problem with that is, you know, a lot of times it's all about perspective, not the obstacles. Because uh, when Jesus taught about friends, what was the the first question that that one of the uh, young rulers asked him? He says, who's my neighbor? Well, Jesus broadened that group of who the neighbor was and so when we talk about helping people talk about being a friend that means valuing everybody not just those that are close to us and so if we value everybody so we number one we're going to help people the second thing that we need to do is we need to think of ways to help people because you know as i I shared with you we're talking about how to change the way that we eat live and think we need to think of different ways to help people you know you need to look at your calendar and figure out how can you be the one that helps somebody else carrie and i have been blessed by many of you here today who when she was going through the worst part of the surgery when when she was in a bed had to have her leg up 18 hours a day many of you were our friend Many of you, you didn't come to our house and you didn't tear over the roof and you didn't lower anything down. But you know what? You showed up at the front door and rung the doorbell and you provided us meals to eat. You showed up at the door, you rang the doorbell, and you would spend the day with Carrie while I was off saving the world. That's what friends do. It doesn't have to be ripping open a roof, and lowering someone down. What friends do is help you get closer to Jesus. So we're going to help people. We're going to think of ways to help people. And then we're going to look for ways to help people. 
You know, it's not just enough to think about it. Now you've got to do it. And, and so you need to be committed to being spontaneous when it comes to helping somebody. You need to, to realize that there is somebody God is going to bring in, into your life. And you're, you're going to think about it very briefly. You think, oh, this is somebody I can help. And then you're like, nope, I can't do it. I'm nervous. I'm scared. What if they say no? Well, what if they say no? I'm pr- I, I am committed to believing that that paralyzed friend said, no, don't do this, guys. Don't waste your time. And yet his friends didn't give up on him. They didn't feel like they were wasting their time. They felt like if I could just get you close to Jesus, it's going to be okay. So not only do we look for ways to help people, but you know what? We need to do things that help people. Oh, that seems like that's the the easy part, but you know what? You've actually got to take action. John Wooden said this, don't tell me what you're going to do, show me. Nothing beats actually doing something for another person. And here's what I would challenge you is at the end of the day, take an inventory and ask this one question, did I help somebody today? I'm telling you how to have your best year ever. And many of you still don't believe that it's even possible. But I'm telling you that one of the components, if you want to have your best year ever, if you would be the friend every day. If you would do this inventory and at the end of the day, ask yourself, did I help somebody today? And if you didn't, you renew your effort the next day. You would find out at the end of 2019 that not only was this the best year ever, you're wondering how in the world could... 2020 be even better than this and the last part of the daily prescription is we need to encourage others to help people you know that's what we do here in church is we encourage we lift up we strengthen each other do you think that all four guys just walked up to you and said you know what we need to do we need to go carry johnny down to jesus you know i think that one of them was the ringleader and i think johnny got some of his friends, and, and convince them that if we could just do this, it was going to work. And maybe that's who you need to be, is the person who's going to convince your friends to rally and let's go help. You fill in the, name, the blank then. And so as you get good at helping people, as you get good at thinking of ways to help people, as you get good at making plans to help people as you get good at helping people you'll find out it's pretty easy to encourage other people to help people because what you don't want to do is tell someone else to go do it when you haven't been doing it but it's so easy when someone says how do you do it and you say i don't know i just do it proverbs 18 24 i i Gave you the, the first part of that prescription. It says a, a man that hath friends must show himself friendly. Well, the, the second half of that says that there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. And the third point I want to leave with you today is that if you show me your one true friend, I'll show you your eternity. And the Bible tells us that there is a one true friend. John 15 and verse 13, it says this. Greater love has no one than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Did the guys that uh, helped the paralyzed guy get down through the roof, did they lay down their lives for their friend? Didn't have to, did they? Would they have been willing? I don't know. 
You know, I think about um, when I read this first, I think about as I was about to leave to go over to Afghanistan, my dad came up to me and he said, son, if I could take your place, I would. And I believe it. Why? Because I know the whole reason I was doing that was so one day my sons didn't have to. You know, but the, the Bible tells us that we've got a friend that's greater than that. We've got a friend who left eternity, who was born of a virgin, who lived a perfect life. Not only did he live a perfect life, but then the religious rulers of that day hated him. And they had him crucified. And what you don't realize is that when he died on that cross, he died for our sins. He died for all the sins that had happened up to that point in time. And he died for every sin that would happen after that. And so now we have the choice. Will we reach out to that friend? James 4.8 gives us the, the prescription for this. It says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. If you're feeling that God is far and remote from you, the Bible tells us, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. But most of us don't want to do that. Most of us want to lay in our bed paralyzed. And you don't have the friends that are going to strap you down and carry you through town and up onto a roof and break open the roof and drop you down in there. And you don't have friends right now that you feel that believe more than you believe. And so you withdraw, you, you hide, you stay in the darks, in the shadow. And the Bible tells us in James 4, 8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. What does draw nearing to God look like? There's two parts to it. Number one, it says to cleanse your hands, you sinners. The reality is this, if you are not near God, it's probably because either sin or something in your heart is keeping you separate from God. And the solution is to cleanse your hands, to wash them, to get rid of that bad stuff. But to purify our hearts. And what it says, it calls us double-minded. You see? Just because we show up to church on Sunday, just because we carry a Bible, just because we sing the songs, just because we read the verses, does not mean that our heart's in the right place. Matter of fact, if you want to hide, church is the best place to hide. Because you look normal. You look like you got it all together. But the brother of Jesus said, Draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. You either need to cleanse your hands, get rid of that filth in your life, or you need to purify your heart. I don't know where you're at today, but here's what I would ask is everybody to bow their heads, close your eyes, and just, just hear what this, the Holy Spirit has to say. You know, I started off, and I, I'm talking about the awesome power of friends. 
But the awesome power of friends is really in being the friend. You see, and we have a friend that sticks closer than brother. He's done it all. He went to the nth degree. He gave up his life for us. And so the question is, are we going to live paralyzed or are we going to draw near to God? Are we going to cleanse our hands or are we going to purify our hearts? Only you can answer that question. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life. And we would love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, simply go to www.tbccentralia.com forward slash next. You see, here at TBCC, it's our mission to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ who walk by faith and not by sight.